I never want to learn drawing, you know. That's why I like the drawing of Giacometti. I like the etching of Goya. I like the Rembrandt, the, not the print, but the, the, the drawing he was doing with ink. Modernity start there, you know. Hi, this is Sarah with another episode of Materially Speaking, where artists and artisans tell their stories through the materials they choose. Today, Mike Axon and I are meeting Silvano Catai, who was born in Belgium of Italian parentage and came to Italy by way of New York. We drive up the winding road that weaves above Seravezza, a town lying between centuries-old marble quarries and wooded mountains on the edge of the Apuan Alps. It is autumn, the trees are rich with colour and the roads carpeted with fallen leaves. It seems a fitting location to find a man whose name means of the forest. Silvano opens his gate and we find a niche for the car against the hillside. There's a cacophony of birdsong, a distant thrum of marble mining equipment and of lorries. Silvano's garden has myrtle bushes burgeoning with berries, persimmon, lemon and olive trees all plump with fruit. He leads us into his kitchen, which is crafted by hand in a beautifully simple style and makes us coffee. The interview will take us from his kitchen area to his garden studio, by way of a couple of works outside. The studio houses Silvano's powerful plasma equipment and protective gear. On the walls are metal working tools, shelves with tubes of oil paints, and around the studios are neatly stacked rows of aluminium. The view is dominated by the peak of the mountain opposite with its familiar mining scars. I was born in Irvine, 51. My father immigrated in, uh, in Belgium to work in a coal mine in the 30s. My mother, after a few years, went in Belgium and they married. I have already one sister and one brother that I didn't know was, who died during the war. So I, I was named after my brother I never knew. I know very little about my father. I, I was eight when he died. Does that feel odd to be named after a brother that died? I think it is a little odd, yeah. Because I remember when I was little, we, we went to, to the grave and it was my name, you know. It was Silvano Catai. It was written on the, on the grave, you know. It, it never disturbed me too much, no. My childhood has is, is, been like many people, but a little bit dramatic, you know. That I understand later. Then I lost my brother when I was six, which was really one of my favorite brothers. He was killed on an accident of bike. And I saw him, I saw him dying, I saw him going into that thing. And two years later I was lost my father. And so at that point, at eight years old, I, I've lost uh, half of my family. I'm sorry. Yeah, my father was, was hard because there was no psychology at the time, but not in where, I, where living, you know, we don't even know if they exist, you know. But they, they hide the death of my father because I know what my father died. He died of cancer, but he died because he couldn't take the, my brother's death, you know, after. That was something that changed my life, I think. Mm. I think maybe I, I had a hard time to trust people. <laughs> 
But then, you know, it took a long time to go over that. I mean, I didn't realize that, you know, because then my mother took care of me and I have a brother and sister. They got married right away. So I live with my mother practically, uh, which was uh, Catholic. And uh, my mother has a particularity that she was a, a healer as my grandmother. She, she could with her hand heal. She healed a lot of people, you know, from... Uh, Anything on the nerve, she could, she could, uh, she could do that. She really thought that that's what I should do because when I was 15, she had a clientele of uh, 20, 25 people a day who come, you know, without any. Uh, she she didn't ask money. She said, if you want to give something, you give. But a lot of people. That's why she maintained me for because she she had very little pension and actually didn't have money. None. What brought you to art then? Your family weren't artistic? Yeah, I, I think I never saw a painting before I was 19 years old. Only thing that was in the, in the house was a, a reproduction of uh, Monet, L'Angelus. The, the people who pray in the, in the field, you know, the, the peasant who pray in the field, but it was a, a reproduction, a photocopy in a frame. That's all. I think it was been the first time I, I was acquainted with TV was uh, I was 13 years old. There was a thing I remember in Belgium called the Cine Club, you know? and that's where I start to see all the film. They were usually 11 o'clock or something like that because everybody was <laughs> sleeping and I, and I was sneaking and I was watching those films. You know, at that time it was the film of Miller's Foreman or one of Black and White. And I, and I start to get fascinated by this. I think now I understand that I was fascinated more by the image than by the content. But uh, And uh, when I was 15, I, I, something clicked, you know. No, even later than 15, 16, when I, I had to work at 16 because uh, it was the end of the study. And I wanted to study something, but I couldn't go to school. I had to work. So I did those courses, you call it correspondence. But, you know, but I didn't know anything about art, absolutely nothing. And then I, I, I worked in, in factory for two or three years until 19. You know? And then at one point I, I was working on a, on a high uh, as an electrician, which I was. And I, I got an accident, a thing come there and I broke a teeth, so I went to the dentist. And then I was wait, waiting to the dentist, you know, I was paid by the company. And then I, I see, and I see a magazine, and I see School of Film in Paris. I say, God, it's interesting. I look and say, to become an assistant director. But I was dreaming at the time. You know? So I said, this is interesting. So I, I took the address, then I went back. And when I get to the end of my working year, you get one month you know, to go to a holiday, pay. And at that time, I decided to go to Paris and to do that school. And I went to Paris to, to do that with so little money that when I arrived, I, I paid the, the school half and I paid... The, the, there was a small hotel, so and uh, I have one meal a day and a room on the seventh floor by foot. But I got interested in film, so I wanted to work in film. and. And I, and I find a place which is called the uh, NAM, the Conservatoire National des Arts et Métiers, where there was a small TV thing. It's actually a 
was revolutionary. And so I went there because I saw that they need a reparator for TV. So I got there. By chance, I got the director, and I, I remember that thing too because he made me walk through this museum, which is enormous. He said, Why do you want to repair TV? I said, Well, it's not that I want to repair TV, but I like to know film, you know, because it's for a study at that school. So he said, Come back uh, next week. And then he took me next week, and I started to work as an um, electrician plateau. And there was this guy, he was like 80 years old. Robert Baton was his name. He was impossible. Nobody could stand him. He was, you know, he, he had worked with, uh, I don't know, uh, René Clair. Uh, it wasn't TV, but things why like he's too old, he's, he's too grunchy, he's too this, too this. I worked with him for a year because nobody wants to work with him. I didn't mind. <laughs> and I learned, that's where I really learned about light uh, in film. I was 20 and he was like over 80. This man, yeah. And one day, after one or two years, it happened that the, the course started and one camera didn't show up. So I was there and I went behind the camera. And then at one point, uh, and he said, camera three, because he called me camera three, and I go ahead. And, uh, and the director said, wow, that's a new one. He's good. And he said, who are, who are you? And he said, yeah, well, that's not the thing you should do. I said, no, but, but you're good. So I started to be able to learn to be a cameraman at that point. That's how it happened, you know. I was seeing two or three films a day and working at that time. Jean Vigo, Jean Renoir, the French New Wave, and some of the American. I was going to the Cinémathèque in Paris. Then I, I became really interested in the image. And in 79, I decided to move to, to New York to change, to change life and apply to the American Film Institute. So you went to New York and then to Los Angeles. Which is, apparently was so difficult to enter because they were taking one foreigner on the 10. We were 40 people. The, the day before me, uh, David Lynch was there. It was a famous place, but I didn't like uh, Los Angeles. So I came back to New York. I found some people, because I was same thing. I was working in film that way to, to maintain myself. Then there was a period where I, I changed, and, I, and, I, and I, I wanted to come back to painting and sculpture. So I was doing both. And at one point, I, I stopped film because I, it didn't correspond to me because I said, I was good, apparently, but I, I was doing the work of everybody else. So you were in New York working yeah. as a cameraman, and then you fell in love? I fell in love with, uh, with Alison, his, his sister. Alison is my sister, yeah. and Silvano is, uh, was my brother-in-law for, for many years. Yeah, because I'm not your brother-in-law anymore, right? No, ex-brother-in-law. I was wondering that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> anyway, so I really start painting, really. I remember I was really impressed because you were mixing your own colors. Yeah, I, I, I learned everything about the, the, the I wanted to do that. Uh, I still have that books, uh, the Bible of painting, how to make the color, aquarelle, oil. I still have some of those art. It's, it's fantastic. Until the 18th century, the pigments uh, were all uh, natural, you know, because there isn't the um, uh, Siena, uh, red Siena. Is, is the, is the ground, you know. It's made from terracotta, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and then you have the one from the stone, this grind, we have saw the pigment, the blue, they were all natural. You can't invent in color. The color, the hue of the color haven't changed for the day. It's simple, you know. The color comes from those pigments. In nature, it's the same. You have certain blue, certain red, certain green. The cobalt blue have a hue, which is has this pale and this brilliant. The Prussian blue have a hue, and the ultramarine have a hue. When I was painting in New York, Borgen was born, you know. So I went to the center of Hazard. Can I keep painting with the child? And they say, yes, you can. No turpentine. So you were painting on aluminum 40 years ago or, or, or maybe? I made some try because I made this, uh, this sculpture and it was aluminum. I decided to make aluminum. That was a big project. And so I had this aluminum. And, and yes, I start to... To, to, to paint on aluminum at that time. But I didn't do that much, but because I got discouraged by the people telling me that's not the way. And now it's funny because when I see those things, now I understand that this, 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 it works. It works. So you came to aluminum because it was an offcut of a sculpture, is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I did sculpture for 30 years and I abandoned painting totally. So when you came from New York back to Italy, or to Italy. Why did you choose around here? Well, I, I wanted to do to sculpture. I had these commissions, and uh, so I found some place. I actually went to a place where, between Sienne and Arezzo. But uh, when we came there, there was Lucien and Morgan. They were very, nobody was speaking Italian. Those are your children? Yes. And, uh, and Alison either was speaking Italian. So, I realized that there it was not possible, but too much to adapt. So I had some friend that I met in New York, and he said, go to Pietra Santa, because at least there there is all those people speaking English. So we came and, and we moved there. Tell me about the sculpture. Was marble the attraction or not so much? It was stone, yeah. But the point in my life where I am now is kind of resemble when I came from New York to here. I mean, I was really painting in New York. I left the film, I really went into painting. I, you know, I think I made 500 paintings. But I say it's sculpture. I want, I really want to do sculpture. I, I did a little try uh, in, uh, in New York, it wasn't possible. So I came here really to do sculpture, change total, which it seemed to me that what I'm doing now, the reverse. After 30 years of sculpture, I, I said, but I, I want to go back to painting. And, and I, did, I did this year. So how, what brought you back to painting and what are you working on now? I think maybe it's something like, a, like in film where I was trying to, to make film, but it wasn't possible. When I did sculpture, I had to involve all the people also. And I... Suddenly, after 30 years, I, I will still do sculpture and because so much in me. But I say, I, I need to, I'm tired my life where my age, all my life, it has to be instinctive again, really instinctive. And the painting brought my resist because first, I do all by myself. And it's there when it happened. I have also liberty to say now, I don't care. If I have a style, I don't care. If I, if I uh, 
have to express or if you, you have to recognize them. I don't care. I just say, I, I want to do a painting that I like to see, whatever, if I go in a museum or in a gallery or something. That, yes, that's all I do. So for now, it's going in, in many directions, I think. We're not talking figurative, I'm sure. How would you... But, uh, figurative come back because yeah? this, that's the thing I always thought. You know, the, in the beginning, the painting I was doing in New York, they were, they were figurative. They were naive figurative some way. But for me, it's not a question of being figurative or abstract because I, I don't think... The figurative, I understand. You represent a figure, something we know and you represent, which is the story of painting, you know. But the abstract is not abstract. It's, it's paint, you know, because what counts in painting is not the ideology, it's the paint. I remember that when I saw a, a Christ of Velasquez, I, I look at this thing, I, I, I remain impressed, not because it was Christ, it's because suddenly the, the painting of that Christ, of the painting, was more powerful. It didn't matter if it was a Christ. The painting was so strong. I, I couldn't explain why, but suddenly the painting was, was talking as painting. And I believe it, it can still do. You know? Of course, in the meantime, uh, Duchamp, Boys, uh, the world has changed. And now also, you know, uh, for instance, I feel closer to somebody like Kiefer than somebody like Kapoor, um, you know. It's, I understand, but uh, Kiefer, I, I understand because Kapoor, I understand, is brilliant, but I don't know. I, I believe in emotion, yeah, produce an emotion, but it's difficult. It's not because you make a painting you produce an emotion. Well, I mean, filmmakers talk about the, like Tarkovsky talks about the, emotion in the act of producing a movie how does that work for you the, the act of producing you feel the emotion based on what you see on the canvas it's essential that's how i do in fact now i think i always work like this i start on something maybe sometime rarely i say i'm gonna maybe try to do that so when i made those three of course it was a tree because, but it was from drawing I did 30 years ago. But sometimes I start with something, and if something happened, then I see something coming, and there I work. But at the beginning, yeah, something has to produce an emotion. And even if I do figurative now, I work on that in an abstract way, because I say, I look, I don't think what it represents, and then maybe it becomes figurative or not. But um, now I, I don't want to fight the figurative. So come back, but in a certain way, I think. So I don't want to fight anymore that because I don't have anything to prove anymore. Too much, only to myself. <laughs> so I think you you had um, a show, didn't you, in Cambridge mm -hmm. recently? Almost unthought is that? Yeah. Can you tell us about that? I don't, this this uh, title came because uh, of this working with Morgan. We, we had to write a text and then rewrote. And that's just what I explained now, that those paintings, they're not planned. I have no idea what the painting would be. It's not premeditated, no way, but it's not even thought. I start with 
with the emotion, the, the car and the space. And I, and I found this space, you know, I mean, allowed me that because it's thin, it's light. And uh, I was going to ask if you perhaps could explain the recent work. It's in aluminium, so you chose the material aluminium again. But are you working with paints or plasma torch? Tell well, us the process. We've gone outside to look at Silvano's work with the plasma torch, which cuts into steel with a freeform gesture that can resemble the work of a Jackson Pollock. I work uh, similarly with the plasma and the paint. So that, that paint is, 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 what do you call it? Electrolyze. Mm. It's fabulous. It does look as though it looks so cohesive, the colors and the cuts. Yes. So when did you discover plasma torches? Because when you first started working with aluminium, oh. it was the, the paint and the reaction of the paint on the 20, aluminium. 20 yeah? years ago, I was uh, doing um, an exhibition in Switzerland. And uh, I remember that I met those people and they said, why don't you come and make this exhibition in La Chaux-de-Fonds, which is northern of Switzerland. And, uh, and they say, well, yeah, you bring some stone and, and bronze. And I say, well, I'm not going to bring all this to Switzerland. He said, but instead of bringing bronze, we, we make it here. I said, well, you make it here. And we make a foundry. He was a little bit ingenious. In, and we made a foundry. We got the material. We made a foundry. And, and we made those, those bronze there. And the day of the exhibition, he said, something like that would be good on a, on a, on a plate of steel. You know, mm -hmm. he showed me a plate of steel like this. He's about to, the show is, is, is tonight and I'm not going to have to cut this with a disc. It's going to have to take me two hours. He said, no, 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 there's this machine. He said, which machine? And he showed me plasma. So I cut the steel and put this. I said, God, that's what I've been looking for. So this was cut with plasma, the piece? No, 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 no. The, the plate of steel to put it on. Okay. You know, which is, was that thing, you know, the plasma cut like this. If it, I have three plasmas, if it's powerful, it cuts, you know. And I said, this thing is incredible. He said, yeah, it's a plasma. I said, God. So what I did between the, the morning and the show, I said, God, I, I made three plasma, my first three plasma, and I put it in the show. I sold them three, three pieces right away. And it's it's also sculptural, isn't it? It's a... yeah, yeah. But that that was uh, the plasma when I started is really from sculpture to painting. I did a lot of exhibition with, with the plasma, the steel plasma. Why the aluminium? One because of the weight. Wow. People are afraid of pieces like this. You know, this, this is like uh, 40, 45 kilo that piece. Sometimes the painting can become totally different if the sun says, if you have a light. So the light is passing through. But it reflected in the aluminium, it really reflecting. We have got this incredible view of the quarry across the... Uh... All the mountain, and have to cut a little bit this tree. Uh, but this is an incredible tree. Winter is all dead, and then a few weeks <laughs> became... It does a lot of khaki. I was going to say, it's khaki, isn't it? Yeah. All right, let's head down to the studio. We'll go down to the studio, yeah. Who constructed this building? I did. Mm -hmm. I did. It, it was a, a chicken uh, chicken place, yeah. Chicken coop? Yeah. Yeah, it's still a chicken coop, but... <laughs> <laughs> no chickens. Where, where the chickens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
You have to wear a special outfit when you're working with plasma. Yeah, that's, that's the mask. In the beginning, I wasn't using the mask. But, uh, it looks like, like a Star Wars like in trooper, picture, yeah. No, it was uh, developed in the 60s. I think it's an American invention, plasma. And I believe it was developed at the beginning because, you know, when the boat, the steel boat, when they have to take them apart, they cut the big boat, which is not more operational, to, to cut it in pieces to, to be able to reuse and re refund. It's interesting also because I developed a lot of technique with the plasma. So you had to work a certain way on the aluminum. It's extremely rapid. So you do... So it's a quick process. It's, it's much quicker. And there's a physical. And I think I like that because I play with that, you know, that the control and not control. You have to sort of um, wrestle with it. Yeah, it's a, it's a strong energy. I know how to use this machine now as a, as a pen, as a pen of fire, because you feel it. You know, it's, it's, you know that that plasma can go for from nineteen to twenty seven thousand degree. I find it interesting that um, your father worked in coal. Yeah, and there seems to be like a full circle a little. There's something minerally in your father's background and your return to sort of a mineral kind of material. Yeah, maybe. You know, the work in a coal mine is very particular because especially in Belgium, I remember they were going at six in the morning until they, they never saw the daylight, only on Sunday. Never see the daylight. You go in, it's dark, and then you go in 300 meters, it's all dark. And then you come up and it's dark, you know, so, so it's darkness always. Only one day you, you, you used to have light, you know, and um, for me, light is very important, yeah. But you have said that you've come full circle with painting, back, sort of painting and sculpture slightly combined yes. with this work. I think that's what's happening, but is it, this is not a sculpture and this is not a painting. What is it? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> How do you get the colors in this? When I put it, you see the color burn, and then it. it uh, and some sometime now with the with the aluminium, I, I ju just do the painting. It's a it's a new thing for me, but I don't retouch that much when I work like this. You know, this is a heavy aluminium. It's three millimeter, but it's, it's still because this is, this is light. Uh, that's also bring me um, liberty to work. So can you tell us a little more about the, the not naming of your pieces? What, what do you do in a... Way you I, I never name it because I, 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 I thought that naming it was giving a, a direction that they don't necessarily have. So do you have some favorites? No. <laughs> but I show you a very figurative painting. I wanted to do it. But see, for instance, this is because also the idea that I have of trees. I was just thinking that the roots are as as prominent here as the trees above it's the ground. Very uh, figurative painting. Uh, when I was in New York, I did a lot of trees. Mm. I always liked trees, but. Uh, I was working in already in that direction. I used the dripping from the tree. I have to find the, the the right composition, and the tree was forming itself, you know. And I don't think I I never 
take an image and try to, to do it. More important is the painting than the, the trees. So it's the act of painting. Yeah, and, and it has to talk as a painting, not as an image of a painting for me. <laughs> is there anything that you're inspired by or...? Is it more Life, in your everything. head? Yeah. <laughs> I love trees. I, I, I planted more than 100 trees here in this place, you know. I have to stop because there's no more room. Of course, I love nature. Cities, now I can live in cities more, but I like to go to cities. I wouldn't like to live there. I have no sense. But, yeah, nature. Nature is, nature is us, you know. It's, it's, it's the only thing we have. And where, where, where do you call home? Is this home now? Oh, it's here, yeah. This is, this is home. I don't know if I call it. This is, I'm not going anywhere. No. I don't even know if I want to travel in the world, you know, to, to go there or there. I, I, I did travel, doing sculpture, you know. In, I went to Africa, Asia, China, Taiwan, Korea. I went Morocco, Burkina Faso, I, I went in Mauritania, doing this symposium of sculpture when I was younger. I think I like to travel with this. This is my way of traveling. Travel by making art. Yeah, because that's what I'm looking, something that, that I haven't seen or they have seen, but that, that I've never really seen. Do you work in series? My work has no sense if you see one painting, you have to see. Ten together, and then the, maybe there's a, there's a story. There's something. Did you say the colors change over time? You need sometimes four or five months to dry. That one you get kind of a light touch with the, with the plasma. Yeah, almost like an aquarelle. That's beautiful. How do you get a straight line with plasma? Uh, did I have to say all my tricks? <laughs> so this kind of for me looks like the body of mountains opposite. Lately, I, something that's always been my work in New York is landscape. I like some, something of the landscape. You know? So I, I did the whole things that it, it became landscape. You know? well, this one has, is it oil? It looks like there's almost a wateriness to the, yeah, to the drip. Yeah. Very, very dilute, dilute oil. Yeah, and above the... Um, the painting is, is kind of radiating. This is a bit, a bit of, a, of the tree of the bush. <laughs> and the, I, why I put this line there, I don't know. But I, I thought that it needed there. It's a little like um, with the tree that you have a line and below the earth level and above the earth level. At the beginning, I, I used to call this the aquarelle, those painting I did, but now it become more painting, I think. I don't know if this one works, but I think I decided I leave it like this. I like it very much. It's, it's beautiful. So do you find it difficult to finish paintings? Do you like revisiting them and working on them? Or do you know you do you find it easy to know when they're done? It's just I just see it. If it's there, it's there. So this could be there, but I'm not I'm not sure it's there. And yet it's not so bad and they haven't talked to me. I don't know. I never want to learn drawing, you know. I, that's why I like the drawing of Giacometti. I like the etching of Goya. I like the Rembrandt. The, not, the, not the print, but the, the, the drawing he was doing with ink. 
me, it's modernity start there, you know. It's a brush and ting ting, but fantastic. You make a figure and there's two, two, two lines, you know, or something, but they're right. I was so interested when you said you did symposiums in Burkina Faso and Mauritania. I did a symposium in China, in Guilin, and that's 1999. And then I came directly from China because I was going to, to the symposium, even not stopping to Italy, to, you know, I don't know, it's the capital of Mauritania now. In China, when I crossed the street, you didn't know what to do because it never stopped the people. You know, it was incredible. I arrived in Sarah, nothing. Not a building, not a tree. Uh, not a bird, nothing, nothing, absolutely, the silence, yeah. just the wind which moved the, the sand, it's, it, it was incredible. There I realized that uh, what comes is uh, that you breathe, heat <laughs> something and the rest uh, have no, no importance because if you walk in the desert, you, you die, simply. And nothing is important or you. So thanks to Silvano Katai. You can see his work on his website, katai.net, or on Instagram at underscore katai underscore s. We are lucky enough to have Gail Scoff's amazing photographs of Silvano on our website, materiallyspeaking.com, and on Instagram. You can also check out more of Gail's work on her website, gailscoff.com, and of course on Instagram at scoffupclose. And thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Materially Speaking, subscribe to our newsletter on our website so we can let you know when the next episode goes live. Wow.